the important thing is AJ's getting the help he needs. Whatever it is, I'm sure it's a chemical imbalance. It's me. It's all these toxins they're exposed to. It fucks with their brains. Between the mercury and fish alone, it's a wonder there ain't more kids jumping off bridges. Or could it be the asbestos in the lakes? Who knows? Welcome, my friends, to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every single episode of The Sopranos. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I've seen 84 episodes of The Sopranos. Damn, these two, Jim? These two in a row, though? Ah, oh, yeah. damn. That's all I've got to say at the start of this one. The Second Coming, Season 6, Episode 19, of course. Who put this one together? This episode was written by Terrence Winter and directed by Tim Van Patten. It originally aired May 20th, 2007. And yeah, you are correct, man. Coming off of Kennedy and Heidi, following it up with The Second Coming. Uh, yeah, quite a one-two punch. And there's still two. Oh, my God. There's only two episodes left after this. Holy shit. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to start changing my intro to, like, I'm Jacob Burrows that I've seen. Well, we'll yeah, see. We'll yeah, get there. We'll see. Um, holy shit. Yeah. I thought AJ might die. So that's where we are at. Like, and I was more upset about him than Chris. Make of that what you will. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I could see it. I mean. Uh, it's uh, going back to like an interview I read with David Chase because like they, they asked him a question about it. I know we'll get more into the actual beats of the episode, but I mean, it's hard not to just jump right into this here. Ha <laughs> literally. Um, but oh, God, <laughs> they asked him about the how he puts the bag over his head. And I guess some people have said that kind of looks like the Abu Ghraib. Uh, torture photos that was going on like at the time remember with Bush and then they were Americans were torturing um, prisoners of war or whatever and there's like a famous uh-huh. picture and then he's like no nah, that's <laughs> no we weren't trying to do anything like that uh, the thing <laughs> is I kind of get someone's rationale with that because they are like you know AJ's getting into the war and how the world is and it's affecting him and piling on with his depression. So mm. I guess I kind of understand it. But he does mention that that was someone's real story. Like, uh, I don't know if it was a friend of the writer or it, happen- or it actually happened to one of the writers, but I guess it just came up in the room that someone had known someone whose son did that exact thing. And he's like, I just thought it was so funny that not only did they try to drown themselves, they put a bag over their head. <laughs> It's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right, David. It is a bit, yeah, it's a bit superfluous. It's not really necessary, the old bag, is it? Yeah. Um, doesn't help. Or maybe it does. I don't know. Does that have air in there? I don't know. It was rough. It was a rough viewing for me, for old Jacob Bur- Burroughs over here, to be honest. Because uh, AJ, you know, we've talked about it before. Why do people hate AJ? He just wants to chase that fly man. Uh, yeah. People are chasing the dragon. He's just chasing the fly. And, like, he's just living his life. And, yeah, he's kind of a, an idiot and stuff but like chris killed people and the yeah. worst aj ever did was like smoke marijuana at his communion and burn some guy's toes <laughs> with acid like we've all done those two things right jim <laughs> yes absolutely and wow i love that you brought up him chasing the fly because wow what a journey it's been huh uh yeah. go- going back to season one where it seemed like there was at least two or three scenes where it would cut to him in his room with a shoe trying to kill a fly and i think someone got annoyed that we were bringing that up in one of our <laughs> reviews but sorry Good. it was definitely a character trait but now how far we've come where poor young aj tries to drown himself in the very pool that tony 
was was raising a family of ducks uh represented Whoa. so much yeah i thought that shot when he's looking out at the pool i thought it was like oh man another great reference to the ducks it's just man the pool's all covered up now yeah. what a deep shot and then it's like oh no aj's gonna kill himself uh. great um but we do start with um like we, we mentioned last week that, you know, they're dumping the asbestos. There's ducks. You can hear ducks in the background. And we start with a shot of the asbestos in this episode. It's the very first thing. Yep. Just a bunch of trash on, like, yeah, by a lake or whatever. And then we cut to Tony waking up. And I swear, it's been a lot of Tony waking up this season. I guess we're trying to close the circle because we had a lot of that at the start. It's sort of a, a staple, but there's a lot of it now. We start with him waking up and then cut to AJ waking up and putting on his music because it's the only thing that keep, makes him feel alive, I guess. Yeah, and that what wakes up Tony or something, right? Yeah, yeah. and then uh, Tony, you know, I, I like I've said, I, I'm a big fan of Tony in his robe. <laughs> Coming downstairs when he wakes up. So I welcome the more... Uh, we only have a few episodes left. The more chances we have of Tony waking up, coming down in his robe, I'll accept it. And uh, what a, a watch came from Vegas for Carmilla. Because it's like we're, we're totally back in... Even though we've come so far from season one, we're totally back in Carmen Tony mode of earlier yeah. seasons where... Even though we've gone through this journey of them splitting up and then having a business relationship and then kind of getting back together. Uh, well, I mean, they are back together, but now we're back in the mode of Tony goes and cheats and then gives her a nice, you know, flashy present and everything's good. Yeah. And if I could tell a personal anecdote in work, uh, someone had a flowers delivered by their boyfriend, <laughs> the flowers to the office. Yeah. And uh, they were... Which, you know, they were they were rightly uh, getting picked on for this because it's hilarious. <laughs> and so we're all picking on this person. You know, that that's our bad, maybe. And then, uh, I don't know, she started saying things along the lines of like, oh, you should bring flowers home to your girlfriend to everyone here and there and everything. And uh, I don't know. It, this, the particulars are not important, but uh, she was being quite annoying. And she said that to a lot of people and including me. And I was like, oh, no, sorry. Uh, men only buy flowers for women when they're cheating on them. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah, plant uh, that seed. which is something I've learned from the Sopranos, among <laughs> other sources. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and plant that seed for uh, that poor girl, because now oh, that's yeah, all. Long, I mean, not to not to get into real shit, but it's a long distance relationship too. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's just a great thing to hear from your coworker. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, it, it, she she was being quite annoying, to be fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I just thought of that here when Tony like goes to Vegas practically to fuck someone you yeah. know there were a po the peyote was pivotal as well but uh it's sent like express from las vegas this nice engraved watch and he so he clearly bought it while he was still there probably still just coming off that peyote on the way to the airport or whatever and he's like oh shit i cheated again i need to buy something to let carmilla know that i cheated yeah that's basically what it is yeah absolutely yeah and so then we got uh more asbestos more asbestos more asbestos that's from a simpsons mm -hmm. episode uh where you know they're they're handling it uh bobby rolls up and they're like oh, aren't those guys supposed to wear like uh space suits or whatever they call them 
And of course they're not because they're, you know, immigrants that are being taken advantage of uh, and they don't have to pay union dues or whatever. Uh, Bobby won't shake the guy's hand, which is hilarious. He's also concerned that the money's not in an envelope. (laughs) And he says later, he didn't have an envelope. (laughs) Just handing it over. (laughs) Good stuff. Uh, And yeah, so quick, like, check in on that. And yeah, AJ's in therapy again, and now talking about Palestine and the the beating of the African man, and Blanca, of course, comes up. So you yes. know, he's kind of back into his spiral mode. Yeah. And okay, so this scene, how how dark does it get in this one? Because it's not, it's not like he's depressed, but he's at least communicative and he's talking about what he's feeling. Um, so he's not that deep in the hole at this very moment at this point in therapy. He's, you know, they're, they're trying to unpack why he's this thing with the African kid stuck with him and all of that. And, you know, the guy asked if he tried to stop it. And he's like, I'm one individual. What can I do? And talks about how he, it's sad that he's not feeling positive from the drugs when he knows other kids are feeling positive from the drugs. And talks about how the class is interesting, but, you know, it's depressing to learn about. All this stuff that I I guess he is transitioning. He was a happy wanderer, unaware of the goings-on of the world. And as he learns more of the world, he, you know, it coincides with him getting more and more depressed. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like that that double-edged sword because, you know... The idea was like, okay, let's cheer him up. Let's maybe if he goes back into school and then makes friends, that'll help. But it's just kind of piling on. Like, it's obviously not a fix. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, like, even if he wasn't going to class or whatever and learning about the world, it would be something else because he just does have this depression and that he needs help with. Uh, but the the fix thing initially works, but now all the, it's just adding into all this negativity in his life. And yeah, so things, you know, as we, we know where things are headed, it's, uh, it's starting to pile up. So the, the therapist suggests uh, like writing his feelings down in some way, which I think is probably a good suggestion, but it, it doesn't, he doesn't do that. How do you feel about the therapist? Because in the first scene, as you pointed out, it's kind of like almost a parody of how a bad therapist would handle it. Yeah. How do you feel about him having seen a few therapy sessions? Is he okay? Is he terrible? What yeah, you- it's definitely not like the first scene almost does seem like it's just going to be a comical like ah, therapy, right? And then you never like you'd almost expect to never see that guy again. But, yeah. you know, here we are, what, like two episodes later and we're checking in with him each time. Um I mean, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say he's bad. I mean, there's nothing to really show that he's great, but he's kind of, he's doing a Melfi thing, kind of. He asks short yeah. questions, leaves some silences, trying to let him speak, makes some suggestions, but, you know, uh, maybe it's just not too late, but th- the people don't understand how uh, how extreme things are getting for poor AJ. Yeah, and I think AJ is just... Uh... It ends, I think, with him just expressing his general disgust with the world because, you know, they're showing on the news uh, all these people who can't afford food. And then they're showing all these fat people in the mall. And then he's like, you should see our house. So he's like, I'm one of the fat people, even if I am not fat, like I'm, I'm more part of the problem than part of any type of solution. And, you know, and, and the therapist brings up maybe his connection to Blanca and the the beating of this kid and uh, or the boy and uh 
yeah, I don't know. I, it just ends with her, her him going. She, she's not black. I mean, yeah. she's pretty tan. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Feels I, like he's not quite grasping what they're getting at, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's they always. I, I, I like that because um, you know they they keep it AJ, and it's actually yeah. it's it's kind of very similar to Tony later on of how like you almost get it and then poof, like it gets away. Like you you yes. almost have that thought or like that you're so close but then i don't know i guess you get in your own way type of deal um uh then we have what the boys you know chilling with the boys at the back of satrielli's i believe and yeah coming on home and he 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 says there he was there to collect money from christopher and i carmilla mentioned that earlier like i understood why you had to go to vegas when you mentioned about christopher's business interest i read this as a complete lie or do you think there's any truth to it uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know if he connect- collected money. I guess the business interests are his his escort. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean as well. Like yeah. he, and he even brings up like um, doing drugs, and he's all like, he's had this spiritual experience, and he tries to kind of relate some of it, but then just goes, Ugh, kind of shakes his head and has some wine because <laughs> yeah. he can't quite communicate it. He says like. He, he tries to describe this moment, which the show shows us really well, of the flashing light and what it means, because we know what he saw in the coma and all this stuff. But when he tries to put words to it, he's just, just like, and then the sun came up, and he's just quiet, and still's like, oh, yeah? Like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great story. Uh, and then what? does? And then Paulie talks about how uh, someone, like, slipped acid on, uh, in something of his or something like that. Like, yeah, some story. laser beams were shooting from Junior's eyes. <laughs> yeah yeah we uh, all got stories bro like tony you're not special we all we all been slipped acid yeah one of them i think mentions taking ecstasy like it is it, it's very similar tony always has these moments where i again i guess he almost has it like he's he almost has this moment where he can relate to everyone and i guess that's the running gag where people try to relate to aj committing suicide and, and then someone yes. has to specify like oh so you mean like your kid com- tried to commit suicide oh no no it gets the blues, um, but exactly, it's it's very similar to this scene, which yeah. I think is intentional. When they're like, "Oh yeah, I did X, I did this, I did that," and then they're like, "Oh yeah, my kid, you know, gets sad sometimes or whatever." Um, and they got a, there is a nice picture of Christopher on the wall, you know, him in his director's chair or whatever. A nice yeah. little tribute. Um, and again, so then when we get to this next scene when they're having dinner, like it, this is kind of similar to what I was talking about in the last episode. Like Tony again is still like wants to fuck Kelly. Because yeah. she talks about how the house is big and it's like scary or whatever. And he's like, hey, you just call. I'll be over there in two minutes. And it's like, all right, guy, come on. Jesus, <laughs> you already screwed a again, girl in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I didn't pick up on that. But you saying it, I, I can see it. I can yeah. see it. it's there. Because, I mean, he always wants to fuck everyone who's attractive. <laughs> and she's attractive. And, yeah. and more importantly, she's Chris's ex. And like I said, he's, you know, he wants to basically just the same way that uh, AJ's regressing into watching cartoons sometimes, he wants to mentally regress and be, you know, Happy Wanderer Chris and fuck his girlfriends and wives <laughs> and everything. So, you know, Tony gets what he wants. And then AJ comes down and he starts, oh, how can you eat that meat? You know, they spray viruses on it to kill the rats. AJ's and, so woke. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It totally is. Uh, and, and yeah, Tony is everyone. I mean, in that moment, you don't want to hear that when you're trying to enjoy your dinner. You just have a nice dinner. I understand AJ's going through something, but uh, 
you know, what does he say? He's like, oh, maybe they wouldn't, do, you know, maybe it must be good. Must, must be a good, good thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, you know, AJ doesn't want to hear it. And then I it's think it's just great to hear him say, fine, bury your head in the sand. Because I swear at some point there's <laughs> been a scene where he has his head covered by a bucket or something. Right. <laughs> and like that is a thing that happened. He's literally yes. done that. So <laughs> and what's he having? He's, he's making like tea or something. Yeah, he is woke. Good for very him. woke. I thought it was like noodles. Oh, uh, maybe or it is noodles. Yeah, no idea. Uh, and um, I, well, I mean, I guess going into um, like Kelly because it's awkward because she has to like sit there, like she's already dealing with her own shit. And I think Tony even has yeah. to bring that up. Like, why are you bring that up when people are going through things? It's yes. like trying to use her as an excuse. But even just going a little meta here, um, it's going to be interesting to get cast on the Sopranos, like. But in a, it's it's such a weird spot for this actress who we do now know is um, uh, the Wheeler mom on Stranger Things, uh, Mike Wheeler's mom. Uh, right. But like, because you're fill you're filling in for Adriana, so yeah. who's like a fan favorite OG character. So people are already kind of like not going to be on your side, and then they you don't get featured a ton. Like she's definitely more of a background character i think you even mentioned in one episode you forgot that he was that christopher was married yeah uh so it's got to be just a weird thing of being like oh great i'm on the sopranos but then it's like you're you came in at the end much like tony soprano in the pilot thinking about how he came into the the, uh, he missed the good old days if you will (laughs) it's true she definitely doesn't get much of a chance to flex her acting chops it would be like when she's horrified uh, in what was called a dream, but which was we established was not a dream when she's just, you know, literally just has the phone and screams and drops it and then walking around being sad. Like, that's pretty much been a role since day one is walking around being sad. Uh, and, like, because we're meant to see their relationship as kind of shallow in comparison to Adriana, like, it's supposed to be she's standing in, like you said. Yeah. So it's pretty tricky. It's basically, like, it's a great credit for your resume, but it's not going to get people like, you know, common people uh, like you and me, Jim. We're not going to be talking about you. But hey, as far as like on your resume, oh, oh that resume man. though. Oh, mag- magnifique, of course. Imagine that on your fucking showreel <laughs> though, like even still. That's true, yeah. You throw in that scene when you drop the phone, you're, yeah, you're screaming. And then that yeah. scene when you're scared in your house because Polly's driving over all the landscaping. <laughs> She does have some lines, so she's better off than some. But yeah, uh, but yeah I guess you might use this scene, even though she doesn't say much, because you know she's there with Tony and Carmilla and everything. Um, it's a real scene and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Carmilla at this point is a kind of positive. Like at least he's reading. Like you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's something. Yeah, can't yeah. be that bad. He's... And we, it it moves on to that as well. Like him, I think he's paying more attention in class now than like last episode when he was in class, you know? Yeah. It gives more, uh, depth to those cutaways in the previous episode, like where we just do see him in class, like intercut with Tony in Vegas. Cause it's like, all right, we get it. Yeah. He's learning. Um, but then you, you were mentioning like the Vegas shine, uh, in the last episode. I mean, WB Yeats from what I'm reading is an Irish poet. You know, this is correct. So here and we go, repping Ireland, where where you do currently reside. I got a fucking uh, book by him right on the shelf right here, right next to me. Oh. Uh, and I've walked past his house or one of his several houses. Oh, so that's there. great. That's awesome. Get, getting a bit Irish, and I always mispronounce his name, um, so I'm not even going to try. I was going to say... 
I was going to say, I'm yates. probably it's not. Yeah, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but yeah, Yeats, Yeats, something or other. But the po- the where the episode gets its name, the poem, the second coming. Yeah, and that's the one he's reading there about like the something monster slouching towards Bethlehem or whatever. Like, did you read any into this? Because it, it is very strange to see AJ reading poetry. We should know already in that scene that something is majorly off, right? Like, this is not correct. He's reading into this and he's he's getting something from it. Uh, I guess it's not helping though. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was reading through the poem and. Yeah, yeah, like, the, and what Ralph Beast, it's our come round at last, slouches toward Bethlehem to be born. Um, mm-hmm. And I I mean, I don't re- remember this. So you obviously, I have to credit Wikipedia. I guess Dr. Melfi had quoted this poem uh, in the episode Cold Cuts. Uh, she said two lines, the center cannot hold, uh, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. So, you know, that's season five, episode 10. So, you know, they, they love this poem. What can you say? And I mean, it's, it's just it's a pressing poem uh, just basically about how, you know, the, the, the world could come to an end. Things are bad. Uh, the one of the, the big lines they point out in the Soprano session is that the best lack all conviction while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Um, and I think that's that it's an apt like comparison with the Sopranos of how like these are you're seeing some of the worst people and they are like the most intense and they're ready to, to be gung ho and do all their crime. Uh, meanwhile, the best of us are just kind of happy wanderers. There's people that are casualties for the most part, except for Kennedy and Heidi, if you will. Of course. Well, we all have a Kennedy and Heidi within us, Jim. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, not to get too into the poem, but it was, uh, I guess, written to reflect the atmosphere of post-war Europe after World War One. And uh, I don't, I'm not convinced that uh, AJ got any of that from it. I'm kind of interested <laughs> to think, like, what yeah. did AJ see in this thing, you know? Because it would be, and I again, I'm, I'm, I'm no poetry expert myself. I, I'd probably do a pretty surface reading, too, but... There's a lot of depressing stuff in there, generally, I'd say. It's not like a, a happy poem, necessarily. It's also written at the time of uh, the uh, Irish uh, War of Independence, which was going on uh, then at the time, too. So, you know, it's not really a positive uh, view of the world. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it just what it comes down to as well, uh, It's it just happens to be the thing that kind yeah. of solidifies his mindset. Like, it could have been anything. It could have been you know, an episode of South Park or something, or I mean, Borat, as is mentioned uh, in this episode. But in this case, it happens to be the poem, uh, The Second Coming. Um, I think it's literally there to counterbalance or to to argue against Carmilla, because Carmilla says, oh, he's reading, it can't be a bad thing. And then we see this and we're like, oh, it's actually a bad thing. (laughs) Which is great, because then uh, I love that cut. There's like a cut, a jump cut kind of in the uh, therapy later on, the group therapy. And Carmilla goes... How could they teach that poem to college kids? <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not something you say about college. Like, yeah, and call at that point, you're you're mature enough to take you could take it all in. You have context yeah. now, uh, and it's such a such an empty complaint of like, who will protect our college kids? You know, uh, but yeah. Anyways, cutting back, we have Agent Harris. He's still got his microbe sickness, uh, which I mean, dude, if you're still dealing with this microbe. It's. I feel like it's been quite a while, man. And you've been. Maybe it's the sandwiches. Maybe it's not the microbe from over in the Middle East. Uh, but the two Muslim guys come up yet again. 
uh, what they show him a po- like a picture, they verify yeah. and they like rush out like one of those class like oh yeah, all systems go or something. It feels like at this point, it feels like there's a separate show with these two agents, and this is just a crossover moment. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like Buffy and Angel. It's just like, oh god, we have to go immediately, and they run out, and like there's another story going on because there's two episodes left, Jim. There's not enough space for this to have an adequate payoff unless. Uh, against all odds, Tony is killed by an airplane crashing into him, like I mentioned last week, but it's actually a terrorist attack. Like, that's the only way this would pay off significantly, is if they actually have a part to play in the final two episodes, which I feel like, knowing The Sopranos, it won't. Now, I might eat those words, but I, there's, I, right now I feel like there's no way that this is significant. Yeah, no, and, and and you're right. It feels like this has been a thing that's popped up forever at this point. Yeah. And I, it, it just feels like one of those things that like David Chase or Terrence Winter, whoever, Matthew Weiner, they were just like, oh, you know, it would really fuck with people if we kept bringing up those Muslim guys. Like, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> wouldn't it be great if people thought the Muslim guys were important? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, we can get we you know how to get people off the Russian. Let's start bringing up these Muslim guys, because now you forget, uh, Jacob, because. I filled you in on this long ago, but yeah. at this point in fandom, people were still being like, when's that Russian coming? The rush, I believe the Russian is going to show up. Now that Chris is yeah. dead and only Polly's left, that ru- like people are still wondering about the Russian. So just remember that. Amazing. Uh, yeah, no, that's another one of those things where having um, having watched uh last week's episode i now view the whole series completely differently because i know what happens to christopher i also know that the russian isn't coming in (laughs) but to be fair people wouldn't have known that at the time like i just kind of i i just know that that is just the thing i know from basic storytelling but also i think you told me so yeah and i think to to your credit you you also weren't the type that was even too concerned with the russian even you know, when we were discussing that episode and I had to be like, well, no, you don't understand, man. People were very (laughs) concerned about when this Russian was going to come back. And I mean, there was that scene like a season later where they kind of brought like Polly and Chris brought it up in passing or in an argument. And I was like, dude, all this did was fuel the fire (laughs) because everyone thought now the Russian was coming back. This uh, agent connection, this HBO, uh, FBI, Jesus, this FBI agent connection, I feel like it's kind of there more to set the mood of like, again, kind of to like, even though we should hate Tony, it's like, you know, Tony's a good guy. He doesn't want these terrorist attacks. So it's like, even though the show plainly tells us that Tony is terrible, like in this episode, it's so weird because last episode, you know, it's pretty easy to dislike Tony. Yeah. This episode, as he's like cradling AJ, not to jump ahead and like, oh, you're all right, baby. And like, I'm just bawling. Like, yeah. it is gr- such a great moment. And then we, had, I, I think anyway, the FBI thing is just a small bit to say, probably them going like, this actually happened. We just happened to find out that, you know, they'll sometimes check with the mafia guys if they have any terrorist connections because we all are against terrorists. So I think it's based on some truth. Again, I should probably look into that before saying it, but it feels like the sort of thing they might read about and go, that'd be kind of fun to put in, but not to make a major plot point. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of keeps Agent Harris around and has shown that, like, this relationship has changed a bit where like they're almost on friendly terms in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, from there, then we have uh sit down with Phil. 
where what now they're talking about compromise and basically they're still dealing with this asbestos and where we're going to go with that. Uh, and I believe this is where he has a crack about uh, Chris's widow. Um, something or other, like the closer. He sends flout. Uh, oh, I, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, go. You're right. Go ahead. No, it was just the only bit I remembered is that Phil asks if the flowers got there, and Tony says, like, well, if you sent them, they definitely got there. Were you thinking of something else? Well, or? no, the crack he made, but he kind of, his comment is he goes, yeah, I won't expect an, uh, uh, like a thank you soon. You know, the closer someone is to you, the harder it is to grieve. So he's, yes. he's you know, basically talking about his brother, who's, who, yeah. as, if we know, it's probably like right behind Tony's uh, head here because he's overlooking picture, yeah. where all his favorite place to be, that, that bar yes. uh, that they're hanging out at. And that's yes, still a, a big sticking point between these two. We all remember the great uh, rant slash story time for the kids when he told them about how they got them to change their names because they hate Italians and all that. And he's not going to take any of this shit anymore. And I guess this is an expression of that because when they get into brass tacks, uh, Tony is, gives a counter offer and Phil won't have any of it. And Tony tries to relate to him on a human level, bringing up, excuse me, bringing up before when they were in the hospital and they both were kind of like, stop and smell the roses. And that's what Christopher said as well. And Tony's trying to do it, but he's not willing to go up to 25%. So, uh, yeah, might as well have a war over it. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Like Phil, Phil is clearly just looking for, for an excuse. I mean, Tony is trying to, trying to do, this is what they're supposed to do. They come in, they give a number, they talk back and forth. And then what Phil has is great lines of like, you know, uh, when I was in the can, you know, oh, I yeah. wanted manicotte. I got uh, grilled cheese from the radiator. <laughs> I think that's how he says it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I compromised. Uh, yeah. And they, his point being, because he said before, no more compromise or whatever. Yes. So yeah. that's his thing. Uh, I I felt like if, if Tony wanted to be a real dick, he could have gone like when he's like, oh, I wanted to fuck a woman. I jerked off into a tissue. He, he Tony could have said, but he didn't. I think he held himself back. He could have said, that's not all you jerked off into. Uh, um, hell yeah. Get him. Because, you know, because we know how much he hates homosexuals. So <laughs> yeah. that would have been a great burn. Uh, but then, you know, he gets his anger out in other ways, Tony, later. So works out. Yeah. So things are brewing there. Um, it doesn't work. We meet. I think I think this is probably where we meet Coco because uh, Coco is the guy who later on runs into Meadow in the city. And it's I think it's one of these guys that they want to pretend has always been around. Uh, yes. But like clearly, I don't think he has. But yeah, Coco's like sitting behind, uh, like in kind of in the shadows behind uh, Phil here, and he's yeah. enjoying it. Like, haha, yeah, Jersey. Because um, then they go to collect. Like, then they see that like uh, Tony's getting some of his revenge. They go to collect on their no-show jobs, I assume. But yeah. they're saying, ah, no, no, no more checks. So they beat the fuck out of that guy, who's just an innocent guy that trying to yeah. <laughs> run a job As site. Usual. Yeah. And I think they'd like, ch do they, maybe they don't chase him down, but he's like, oh, maybe it's your fault to a guy who tells him to stop. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he just throws the thing after him, but it like a big measuring, like land measuring thing. It throws it after the guy, but it's nowhere close. Like <laughs> they don't really, uh, yeah, it, they just take his money and say, Tony Soprano owes you $350 to $320. And that's it. Uh, of course, like we pointed out many times, it's just innocent bystanders who, uh, who take the fall for all this. Tony has yet to, it, like, 
this, of course, matters way less than some guy saying some shit to his daughter. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. Even though this guy is now in the hospital and uh, might not walk. He, yeah. You never know. Uh, so then we have AJ, he's on his computer, and then Meadow comes in trying to cheer him up, talking about Borat. And then <laughs> I love AJ. AJ is woke because he's like, you know, that wasn't fair to the people involved. Which is, you know, <laughs> fairly true. You know, they he, they were being duped. They were du being duped by Borat. Uh, yes. And, you know, she just tries to talk to him. And he brings up, you know, we're going to bomb Iran, which, you know, very apt, very now. Uh, ahead of his time. Ahead of his time, for sure. And, um, oh, she asked him, you know, is this, is this still about Blanca? And I love because he's like, I don't even know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> that feels honest yeah there's other bits that aren't as honest when uh she i mean rightfully tries to motivate him and say like maybe you need your own place or whatever and he says i can't hold down a job in my condition uh, yeah. and then he says the most bullshit line ever of like i can't be away from my mom's cooking it might mess with my body chemistry or balance or whatever and uh. i'm like oh wow some real bullshit thrown in there as well along with the actual honesty of saying like i don't even know anymore yeah <laughs> Well, especially because in his previous scene, he was complaining about the steak that she made that they were that they were eating. Oh yeah, and he was making like like he said. I guess I think I was wrong on the tea. He was making microwave noodles. So mm. pretty sure you can get microwave noodles in your own place. Plus, you know Carmela, she'd be rolling through doing his laundry, bringing him, uh, you know, leftover manicot and some. Uh, uh, what was that shit she had with uh, Richie? It was like. <laughs> like pig innards and something or other who knows <laughs> i'm sure she would um but they get into some interesting stuff as well around all this other stuff where um you know she, when she dropped out because he's dropped out now this is news like he was in we saw him in class just like a couple of scenes ago but now he's dropped out and she said she says when she took a break as well they they busted her balls but they they didn't like it wasn't that big of a deal and he thinks that she's the favorite and she says you're we're italian and you're their firstborn son like you're always going to be more important and i don't know how he takes it yeah 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 i think and i think there's obviously some truth there uh and I, I, there is something to be said i mean it ties in a little bit uh later on when carm and tony get into an argument because i mean he's reading al jazeera um there's definitely like there's an element, and I'm, I'm, I guess this is also just a part of a depression anyways, where he's, like, reinforcing it on his own. Like, he's he's making a choice to reinforce it because he's, like, reading terrible things. And yeah. I get it's not as easy as just, like, hey, you know, try to, like, try to get out of your head for a little while. But, like, it's kind of what you have to do. You can't, like, be depressed and then just, like, seek out more depression. But obviously that you can't help it sometimes. Um yeah, and Tony did encourage him towards that. It did work for a little bit, but uh, obviously we're now on the on the downswing here. And then she's making uh, Carmela's making linking lock sandwiches, which looks so gross. I don't know what I've that is. I've never seen this before, and I assume it's one of your gross American <laughs> things, Jim. Like this is on you, dude. I don't know what it is. Is it like mayonnaise on split hot dogs or something like that? Let me look it's it up. Something like that, and then you put more bread on top of it. And Tony know, enjoys man. it when he gets home later on. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's he's been so busy eating it, he's barely you know noticing or running towards his uh, drowning son. Um, so they must be good. Well, it's great because I googled it and uh, like, what is the Lincoln Log sandwich on FoodChannel.com? And of course, it's like every time someone watches The Sopranos, we always get yes. this question. Uh, <laughs> I was watching The Sopranos and saw Carmela making a dish which she called Lincoln Logs. 
I'm curious, what are they? They looked good. No, they didn't look good. Um, <laughs> no, they did not. Lincoln Logs. Now, if they were, if they were properly fried, I could imagine that it might be good, but it doesn't look good in this. Okay, so Lincoln, they're hot dog buns or white bread in which you place hot dogs layered with cream cheese. Uh, they can be served Ugh. warm or cold. They're also known no, as <laughs> they're also known as Seattle cream cheese dogs. Although the Lincoln Logs variety is said to be an East Coast version, the basic rep- recipe appears to be slice of white bread, spread cream cheese along the length, split a cooked hot dog lengthwise, place it each half cut side down. And to get the Lincoln Log effect, you need a second hot dog that is laid over the first in the opposite direction. Yeah, no, I don't. I, maybe we have to try it, but <laughs> I don't want to. I guess that'll be when we're finished the whole series and we really run out of ideas. You'll get on the feed like, what does a Lincoln Log taste like anyway? Like all this bullshit. <laughs> so I've Googled Lincoln Log and I don't know what it is. It's like a play thing. You play, build little houses. Or oh, is yeah. It about the those, those I know. Those, yeah, Lincoln Logs. Those are toys. That's different than the okay. sandwich. I had those as a kid. They're just like little building blocks. And right, I guess what right. it's because uh, what Abe Lincoln he grew up in a log cabin made of logs. I said it was American, Jim. This is very American. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, as a child, right. you're you're taught that uh, Abraham Lincoln grew up in a log cabin, so it sticks okay, with I, you. I, Hence the Lincoln yeah. log toys. Hence the well, Lincoln log sandwiches. <laughs> AJ is so disgusted by these Lincoln log sandwiches that he tries to kill himself. It really. Um, <laughs> It really is. In the next scene here. Like I said, he, he looks out at the covered uh, pool, and my thought was like, oh, it's just kind of a reference to, you know, the earth of Tony looking out at the pool loads of times, and then it cuts, and it's like, oh, no, Jacob, that's not what it is at all. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna have, we're about to have a rough scene here uh, where, like we said, he puts a plastic bag over his head, which doesn't, doesn't really do anything. Um, but yeah, so I was like, until the car pulled up, when the car pulled up, I was like, oh, thank fucking God. Cause I would be so depressed if, uh, if this is how it turned out. Um, and I'm really, really glad that Tony was there to save him, even yeah. though I, you know, kind of hate Tony and kind of love Tony, but, uh, AJ didn't deserve that. Like, yeah, he, he didn't. So it's, yeah, it's fucking it. Yeah. It's really sad. And like, yeah, it's in the pool. Uh, it's such a weird way to do it, but also, like, I guess kind of weirdly adds to it because he has a, like, cinder block tied to his foot and a bag over his head. Um, and, yeah. I mean, even even Tony arriving home, you can assume that, yeah, he's probably going to save him, but there's still, like, that idea of, oh, maybe he's just going to arrive home and find his dead son, like his, his bloated uh, son of his, uh, bloated corpse of his dead son. He does get yep. to enjoy a, a taste of Lincoln Log, uh, and then he looks out. I, I love the way it's played because at first you'd be like, "What are you doing? Why are you fucking around in the pool?" Like, because obviously it's not yeah. going to be apparent what's going on. Because it's like, "Oh, AJ!" Like, because he's even like he's just kind of walking at first. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You're fucking up the pool or whatever. And then yeah, there's that. From our perspective, we're like, "Run, fucking run!" And even yeah. when he hears it, he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like walk it out. And then eventually, when he runs, you're like, "Oh, thank God!" Yeah, yeah. Runs, dives in. He, yeah, like just even the he doesn't realize immediately like what's going on. Like, you know, hey, let, let's go. We're like, get out of the pool. And he's like, "My foot's stuck." And then he has to realize like everything has to slowly come to realization what's happening here. Um, and I mean, they talk about. Again, going back to Soprano sessions, they talk about how like he has his machismo at first, 
where he's yeah. like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But I also I feel like that's such a natural like just in the moment reaction because again he's like just still processing everything that's going on and yeah. then there's that realization of like oh no this is suicide this is the culmination of all this depression and anxiety in my son and it does turn into that tender moment uh where he's cradling him and you know going back to uh the aj character and also the robert uh, robert Eller, the actor that plays him uh, he was just a kid, you know, cast as Tony's son. But when it cam- comes time to some of these moments where he needs to act, I think like he does, he 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 nails them. Like, yeah, uh, I agree. Not to say that he's like an amazing actor, and I I understand why he's might maybe not in other projects right now. But like, at least when they give him the opportunities, I don't feel like he's ever let them down. Yeah, there's been a a few really great moments like that, especially lately. And like, I always. I don't know why, but I always try to go like, oh, yeah, he's really well directed there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like it's, which is kind of a dick move because uh, he does do the acting himself. But we've always said that they know how to play AJ or know what to do with AJ that that like works for him and his acting. And uh, yeah, this really works and it's heartbreaking. And of course, Tony is there. Uh, Gandolfini's pulling his fair share. I I agree as well. I don't think it's like necessarily machismo of like going like the fuck you do and like yeah. he, he doesn't have like a persona on. It's his natural reaction. But uh, as he sort of sees the complete and total breakdown that AJ's having, he he strip that gets stripped away. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, then we have him at the hospital, and you know they're bringing him, and he's all like, I, I assume maybe doped up or something. He's all pale and. You know, just they say they, they say that he's had a lot of Valium. Oh, they so. do? yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah, they do, and they kind of have to take him to the, I guess, suicide ward, wherever they're keeping him. And you know, Carmelo's rightfully upset. Uh, what does she say? Like he was always uh, so happy, which I mean, yeah. uh, maybe not completely true, but you know, uh, in these moments, it seems that way. And then what? And says uh, says that Meadow warned them, which she did. I know. Yeah. And I mean, we're the happy little boy and where the machismo has to kick in is when then Tony's with his with his boys, you know, back. Oh, yeah. When he's with the boys, you know, it's we've seen, you know, fairly recently when he was already like jealous of like Patsy and Carlo talking about their sons and how they were. burning toes off and collecting money at college and yeah doing cool shit yeah wanting to break their dick off and the stripper's ass i guess very similar going back to like uh the bevel aqua kid and his friend (laughs) in a weird way oh yeah uh but yeah yeah, he has to kind of come in and you know he even just outright says all right like let's get the 800 pound elephant uh out there my my kid tried to off himself and I don't think anyone thinks lesser of him, but I guess he is an alpha male and he has to kind of put up more of a front. And I well, don't know. Yeah. They all try to like explain why it's not Tony's fault and it's not AJ's fault. And it's like, oh, these chemicals like in, in, um, you know, the opening clip or whatever, the, all these, uh, you know, like Polly has the worst explanation, but they're all trying to sort of, make it not a loss of face for anyone involved, uh, which is nice, I guess. But uh, it's pretty rough as well because it's not something you can... Like, you can't go out and shoot someone. Who are you going to shoot, AJ? Like, you can't solve this with violence. You just have to do talking about your emotions, which uh, these guys are famously not the best at. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, where, I'm trying to see where does it go from here. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so we then, got the big fight with yes. uh, Carmilla. Which I kind of felt like Carmilla was being mean here. But I guess it's under, not to say that what she's saying, like some of the stuff she's saying is truth. Like it's got to be hard to always like, I mean, I guess someone being depressed is hard on you. And, and it is weirdly selfish to point out. But, she, you know. Like she says, you know how hard it is for someone constantly complaining. Um, but but it's more so, I feel like, when she's like, he didn't come from my side of the family. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. And especially because we know Tony already feels like he has this putrid soprano gene that is passed down to his son. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Like, we're obviously more on Tony's side in this fight for once, like, as opposed to the previous big fight about the house or whatever, um, when he wants the money to gamble it away and all of that. Um, in this fight, yeah, but Carmela's, um, I don't know, Carmela's love of AJ has always been more uh, unconditional than Tony's. Or maybe that's not true. I'm not sure. But, like, it's, it's, his ha it's her happy little boy, like, and... It's come in her mind. It's like, well, we gotta pin the blame on someone. So she's doing the opposite of what the guys are doing in the back room at Satrielli's, where she just wants a solution to it, uh, something to blame and point at and go, ah, well, if Tony stops his bullshit, then AJ's gonna be fine too. Um, rather than thinking that it's something that AJ, you know, has has to deal with on his own. It's like if we can pin this. Where's the where's the reason for this? Uh, well, yeah. it's Tony because Tony's always doing the same bullshit, and it is really rough uh, to hear. I imagine as well for Tony, like you said, he he already thinks that himself. Uh, but not not great to hear it back at you um, in this moment. And we also get, oh poor you, <laughs> oh poor you. It's wonderful. And when she says, like, do you, can you imagine what it's like being with someone who complains all the time? Like you. You saw in his eyes him thinking of Livia, right? Because that's what yeah. I saw. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I mean, well, there's another one later. I guess I'll save it. We'll save it for later. Uh, you know okay. what? No, we won't. Later on, oh. there's also... Oh, poor you. <laughs> and if we go back, I mean, let's just take an opportunity to look back. Let's do oh, it. Oh, poor you. Oh, poor you. Oh, poor you. <laughs> poor you. <laughs> oh, poor. Oh, sorry. Here's one more. <laughs> oh, poor. <laughs> so there you go. Very good. Yeah. yeah. I forgot that AJ got one in yeah, there as AJ, well. AJ fitted one in there. Very good. Now, I, I that would be like the catchphrase of, of this show. Uh, it's not very gangstery, but if it was an honest trailer, it would just be the Sopranos. Oh, poor you. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. That's what it's about. Um, but yep. yeah, yeah, they're both, you know, like, yeah, what she brings up, you know, you were the happy go lucky guy in high school and that was all bullshit, which it's not fully fair. Cause that's like everyone, everyone, you know, when you're, when you're at a party or hanging out and you're social, of course, people are a certain way. And then when you're with someone and you're in with someone in there, not just their good times, but their bad times. Uh, there's going to be, you know, different sides of people. Uh, but yeah, it all culminates into what she throws the watch at him. And then what? Then he fucking just whips the watch, right? Yeah. 
Uh, exactly. Yeah, they throw it at each other. So that's that's how long that goodwill from that gift lasted. Yeah. Um, she's hip to the game anyway. Like, it doesn't really matter, these gifts. And yeah, it just becomes a projectile. Um, so we get a therapy scene with Melfi. I don't really remember what the uh, what the main thing in this scene is. Well, I, uh, I, again, uh, pointing out the effortless comedy, I got such a big laugh when she goes, it could have been a cry for help. And then he goes, weren't you listening? He was yelling. <laughs> He was screaming for help. <laughs> it's literally crying for help. <laughs> yeah, she's like, he's like, we're going to listen to my story. He was screaming for help the whole time. And <laughs> yeah, oh, it's uh, so great. <laughs> that is good. And as she points out, oh, she, it's also quite funny when she says like, she, he may have known that the rope was too long to keep him submerged. And he's like, yeah, or it could just be a fucking idiot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> both well, of which are potentially true. And then we kind of see the flip side here because this Tony does start to blame Carmilla. So I, I don't know if it's what he would say initially, or if it's more of a reaction to the argument they've had in the previous scene, but he does start talking about how Carmilla always coddled him. Um, and then Melfi asks, are you ashamed of him? And then he says, it's coward's way out. And it does kind of end on, that's something that someone would say that doesn't understand depression, which you do. And it does yeah. like leave with, so Tony does understand it's not that, uh, and that's kind of what we leave it at. And then we have Carmela with, uh, AJ at the, um, facility or wherever he's being kept now. Uh, Tony's not there. I don't know. There's some story. I mean, I couldn't tell if it's a real story of like Meadow got rear-ended or something happened and Tony had to go help her. Like, that's what they say. I, I, I couldn't tell if they're trying to say maybe it's because of the fight or maybe Tony can't see him in this, in this state or whatever. They don't leave much there. Uh, but I think she bring, mentioned something about bringing in food and he's like, I don't think that's allowed because of all the bulimic girls that are here. Yeah. That's right. She looks at a girl um, pulling her own hair out. Yeah, real healthy environment. But at least he has group. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure if it was true either about the car, because it might just be that Tony's in his own therapy and maybe Carmela doesn't want to say he couldn't come right now because he is also in therapy because he gave you the putrid fucking Soprano genes. Maybe she doesn't want to get into all of that. Yeah. Um, so she just makes this thing up. It could be, or it could be true. Yes. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think it's true because later we see Meadow at like, fairly like the next scene is with meadow she doesn't look like she's been rear-ended on bloomfield avenue so you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and yeah that's when what coco shows up right yeah coco shows up and, and talks some cool shit uh she has to repeat it all later but uh yeah it's kind of amazing that she hasn't run into any of this you know it's yeah been, like she's 20 something at this point and i guess it just kind of shows like Obviously, if Phil wasn't being a bit more brazen with the Soprano family or the New Jersey crew, this something like this wouldn't happen. But it just shows yeah. how like how the leadership sets the tone, and now it's like, oh fuck them! Like you know, they're nothing. We we could do yeah. whatever we want. And plus, it's amped up a little bit because he also is annoyed he didn't get his paycheck or whatever. But it's pretty brazen. He comes up, says, uh, "Oh, your dad," and. Uh, you got a little cream on your lip. You want some more? Um, and it's really like, uh-oh, like, what, what are you doing here? Do you understand? Do you understand uh, the bear that you're prodding right now? It's interesting the guy with him is like, come on, let's go. Like, he doesn't want any of this uh, happening in Coco. I think uh, uh, 
Meadow says, like, I could smell the drink on his breath as well. And he is, you know, swaggering slash staggering a little bit on the way out. So it's clearly, like, not a great decision to do this right now. But, uh, hey, none of these mob people are making great decisions at the moment. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, the next scene is she's, what's already sitting with Carmela. So she's kind of told Carm and doesn't want it to... I mean, I, don't, I can't tell if it's one of those feign, like, don't tell dad. But it's clearly, like... No, no, let's tell dad. What's dad going to do? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Carmilla definitely wants her to tell him, right? Yeah, uh, but I almost wonder, like, Meadow can't expect to tell Carmilla and then yeah. Tony not hear about it. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean. Where it's like, is she putting up a fight? Like, she, like she doesn't want to say it because she doesn't want something to happen? Or is it just like, oh, no, I couldn't. Oh, actually, you know what? Here's what happened. Yeah. No, I think that's it. She instead is more... Well, yeah, she she kind of wants to get it off her chest. She doesn't want to carry that around. And she also reveals the mystery man um, that she's dating. Um, and it's Patrick Parisi, who is, you know, Patsy's son, I guess. Yes. Has he been in this before? I don't think so. I, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't think so, though. Hmm. I just figured because maybe... Uh, nope. That's his first appearance. Okay. I, I, it's just because they talk about like he's not as he's changed a lot or whatever. And I was like, maybe he was in one of the early seasons, but no. Um, and yeah, apparently he broke it off with his fiance. Um, just and we started talking. Hmm, weird. Yeah, what a salacious like uh, affair that's been going on that uh, we we didn't even know. We didn't even know what's happening. Uh, yeah. But you know, it it is almost like royalty. The Italian, the families joining together. Uh, and it's, it's interesting cause it's like such classic meadow fashion. Like you kind of assume since we haven't seen meadow a lot or been like involved in her life too much since Finn's been gone, that maybe like things are different and she's more mature, but she mentions how like she's not doing med school, she's doing law, but then she has like a offhand line that kind of assumes that like it's because Patrick's doing law or kind of recommended it type deal. Yes, although she was, like, interning at a place doing law stuff, too, trying That's to decide true. that from way before. But, yeah, it is totally... I don't know. Maybe she'll do better in law. I don't know. It's better for the family, la familia, as well, to have a lawyer on board. But, um, yeah. Um, I Again, two episodes left. Like, you you can keep... You can change your mind every episode, Meadow. It doesn't really matter at this point. Yeah, I'm sorry. for sure. <laughs> and you're going to do it... You're going to change it next season, too, if there was a next season, and there isn't. So we'll just imagine that. And the way Tony plays, it's great, though, where he's just kind of like, even when she's talking, he's kind of staring off in the distance. You know, he's just thinking about Coco and how, because first he's like, ah, don't worry, he's an idiot. But, you know, it's like uh, the, the wheels are spinning on what he's going to do uh, once he runs into Coco for what happened here. Yep. Um, so let's see. Melfi goes and sees her therapist. What's his name again? Oh, Elliot. Uh, Elliot. Yep. That's right. Um, and uh, she, like, they can't stop talking about Tony. To be fair, they're talking about other stuff, too. Apparently, she's seeing someone, and they have a daughter, and, like, that's a whole thing, but we we cut in at the end of that and instead get into Tony, because uh, she mentions your favorite patient, and so they, they both kind of want to talk about Tony, you know? Yeah. Because... Uh, he, you know, my father was a rabid untouchables fan. Make of that what you will. Uh. <laughs> but, like, he does this dick thing where he's like, says that 
for sociopaths, this talk therapy, the stuff we're doing, it actually has been studied and it means that, you know, for, for them, it's actually them just sharpening their sociopathic skills. It has nothing, to, like, it never produces anything positive. And she's like, why are you smirking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I love that they give him this, I don't know why it's douchey, but his water, water bottle. bottle. Yeah, <laughs> it's so douchey. Like, yeah. it's just a water bottle, but I guess it's because it's, like, in this, what, like, nylon mesh like yes. carrier and it's like kind of really big uh i mean he's doing he's doing good things for the environment he's not using single-use plastic this is great stuff but also the way he keeps like sipping on it with his like uh yeah like his smirk it's such a perfect little detail and it is a uh, weird i mean i guess it's just because obviously they need to get her to talk about tony to have this come up but it feels very like regressive for uh for Melfi, the way she's like, yeah, like as your favorite patient would say, maybe I should put my foot up her ass or whatever. Yeah. Um, because again, we haven't really seen much of her, especially her personal life, like we used to. So uh, it's it it feels almost like out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, I think the 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 douchey thing also where he brings up the the article and how like. You know, this years of like work you've been doing actually has been a very bad thing. Yeah. Uh, it is reminiscent, I guess, of going back to the previous episode with his dream and how he speaks one way and then he gets to craft that and speak a different way when he actually talks to her. Uh, yeah. It does kind of show it a little bit in action. And given the violence that follows, you know, could be some truth to the whole thing. Um, but it is great, the water bottle, because the first time he sips it, it's kind of like emphasized, like he's like, oh, that's a big bottle. But then the <laughs> end of the scene is literally just him, him saying is like, the conviction rates were higher for vendors in therapy than people not receiving treatment at all. And it cuts to her and it cuts to ba back to him and he's just drinking like a big gulp, looking, staring her down. So it's so comedic, this like, that's sometimes my favorite punchline as well in a thing where you just don't get the reaction shot you want is just silence and someone like yeah. slurping their tea or whatever so that's basically what they're doing i love it yeah yeah then we have uh tony showing up uh starts pistol whipping coco beating the shit out of him uh points a gun at butchie um and then he you know puts a gun in his mouth and then he makes him fucking put his teeth on the curb and he fucking curb stomps him uh, which is insane. And, you know, Butchie's like, oh, you're making a big mistake here. But also, hey, I mean, it, it was his daughter. What, what, what I, do you think's going to happen? Yeah. I thought he killed him there because the only time I've seen this in media, really, I think, is uh, American History X. Uh, I can't where... imagine surviving that either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and teeth just fly everywhere. And, you know, beating him up's fair enough. But, uh, the guy, the Weasley guy we've talked about before, it feels like he's correct in saying that he's making a big mistake there because he, he can beat him up and no one will like, I don't think anyone would go like, yeah, you know, you need, you get to take revenge on Tony Soprano. But if you kill him uh, or in this case, brutally maim him, have, shoot all his teeth out of his mouth, um, that's probably a mistake. Uh, and I love that the uh, waiters or whatever, just like get him up. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I mean, I, but I guess they do they make a comment when Carmine shows up later that he's not dead? They do. Okay. They're supposedly yeah. alive. Yeah. So. Which, yeah, I, he, it's so bizarre. I couldn't imagine someone living through that. Yeah. But I guess. And 
I was just going to say hilariously has a tooth in his uh, yeah, that's, trousers. Yeah, that's almost too much. Like, that's... Mm. Uh, I still love it. But yeah. it's almost it's almost like... I mean, I guess we used to talk all the time about sitcom-y. Uh, I mean, I guess obviously in a more uh, morbid sitcom. But yeah, the fact that in the middle of this group therapy, he's like, looks down in his pant leg and there's a tooth in there. And he has to kind of like try to hide it. Uh, meanwhile, AJ is going off on um, the, you know, talking about the past, uh, which it's at first it seems almost like I don't want to say like fully legit, but like makes sense. But then when he's like, you know, you made me wear that raincoat in second grade and I got beat up for it. And I'm kind of with Tony almost like, oh, Jesus, like now you're just kind of he's make he's in excuse mode. Like he was yeah. with Meadow. Yeah, I think that's part of it. It's interesting how the scene is put together. I think it like cuts basically like it cuts forward a few times where after the two thing where it's like cuts them being silenced and then cuts them talking in the middle of one conversation and then cuts them being silent. And it's kind of like um, this uh, thing of Melfi and, and every therapy scene we've seen where uh they leave a silence to be filled. Um, the one significant part feels like when uh, this thing that we saw where Olivia said, you know, that it's all a big nothing and you die on your own or whatever. Uh, and that that was said to AJ. I don't remember when, but he was obviously quite young and it stayed with him and he's talked about it with his therapist. And it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a great unifying moment there because Tony's dealt with Olivia's line staying in his head for years and years. So he definitely can relate to that if even if he can't relate to the dorky raincoat. Yeah, yeah, because that, that definitely feels like, obviously that's a, there's some substance there and it was... He was pretty young and impressionable at the time. I think that's one of the clips we used to open when we discussed that episode. Um, yeah. And yeah, it does feel like something that would stick with you, especially when you're when you're getting the blues, as Carlos would say. Uh, yeah, it's all a big nothing life, and you die in your own arms. Um, yep. And then yeah, there's that. Then there's that cut of like, uh, what kind of poem is that to teach to college students? Uh, which I love. And yeah. So he's dealing with that. Then we cut to Patsy, who's all, you know, he's very happy that uh, Meadow and his son are together. Tony, uh, Tony's reactions and the faces he's making about it are so great because he's clearly not yeah. as excited. <laughs> well, to me, Patsy will always be that guy who they kept on because they liked him even after they killed this character and they were like, yeah, he has a twin. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what I think of every time he's on screen. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, you know, he. I think he has a similar level of significance in Tony's life. And to go now, oh, we're gonna be like what? Uh, grandparents. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah we're, grandparents. we're not too young Jesus. to be grandparents. And I mean, he's also because of that, because they killed his twin brother, and yeah, they had to like keep the actor on. He is the guy that almost killed Tony when the FBI were like uh, setting up their sting, like the setting up the lamp. Yeah. He showed yeah. up with a gun, and then he decided to just piss in his pool instead. That's right. Yeah. So you want to be grandparents for that guy? <laughs> um, so Carmine, little Carmine shows up and they have a little talk about, you know, and he also has some platitudes about his daughter. And and, and uh, Tony's like, but she went through some serious stuff, though. And he's like, no, 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 he, he, she's fine. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
So they they say, you know, he's there to broker a deal. That's what he does. He, he's the brokerer at this point, and he's going to smooth things over, and they have to go and apologize. And I already can tell that that's not going to work out great. Tony's really upset still. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, we yeah, we check back in with, uh, with Melfi again. And, like, I, I almost wanted to use some cl- clips from here, but I think it's always stayed with me. I think one time way back when you mentioned something about using um, therapy clips because it's so easy. So that's why I'm always like, ah, can't use another therapy oh. clip. <laughs> but uh, I don't really remember saying that, but okay. <laughs> this is the kind of, kind of thing. I'm Libya just saying stuff. I don't know where it stays with yeah, me. Yeah, it stuck with me. Uh, but, yeah, because this is where he, he kind of gets more into Vegas and peyote here. Um, mm. And he talks about that you know he believes there's an afterlife uh there's something else and what does she say she says something like like it's silent and then she says alternate dimensions and he's like what are you gonna (laughs) you gonna be funny now Uh, or something like that and i don't think she's making a joke i think she's just trying to kind of go with his idea but then he has the you know our mothers are the bus drivers nay they're the bus and they bring (laughs) us to our destination and they move on and we spend time trying to get back on the bus. Uh, and uh, she's, she makes a comment like that's that's like astute or something like that. And he's like, yeah, don't be so surprised. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I, think it's a, I think it's a good scene. It's showing that Tony does have like, like he, I think he has to go against what El- Elliot said. He has learned a lot about, you know, from therapy. He's learned a lot about himself and yeah. about the way he reacts i guess to elliot's credit maybe he's not using that for good but he's clearly uh, a, a different person than he was in season one yeah i think uh the bus thing is basically i, I i'm sure there's been jokes in this uh show about it as well but it's like saying that um Freudian psychology or whatever is all about wanting to fuck your mother and that's not quite it I guess uh, but like that's the easy joke to make but then <clears throat> this is his reinterpretation of that the essence of that psychological understanding of like you're even though your mother's brought you into this world they're very important they're still like more um, like th- I just got distracted because I th- I swear I'm it's so cold in my room that I'm breathing <laughs> and the the air is getting like uh, what's the word it's uh, steaming from yeah, my you're breath. You're getting the so, yeah. all right. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> that's the ghost my, of yes. James Gandolfini yeah. visiting you right now. Yeah, pretty weird. Sorry about that. Anyway, point was that's his way of describing the main thesis of freudian psychology of saying that you know we're all obsessed with what happens in the first few years of our life as you know our our parents mold us and him saying we're all trying to get back on the bus is could be read as like trying to get back inside your mother so that's the bit where he's found other ways of describing what freudian psychology describes in a way that's very difficult to put into the right words if that makes sense no i think that makes complete sense and, and and that's where it kind of goes into like it is like he's there, like he's there and he's trying to like put it into words and he's trying to explain it. And that's why he says, like, you know, you have these thoughts and you almost you almost get it. And like hearing him say that, like I can relate to that so much because you feel like you have like these uh, epiphanies or sometimes you feel like you've had an epiphany in the past and then now you can't remember it. <laughs> 
<laughs> like that yeah. type of thing. And it's like, it feels like you're so close and then it's just out of grasp. Uh, and I mean, especially tying it into him seeing the light and then what, what he does or doesn't remember from his, you know, coma, uh, visions or dreams or afterlife, wherever you want to, uh, connect that and how he's connecting it to, you know, there being something more, uh, once you go or once you die. Yeah. Um, so there's just a couple of short scenes left where uh, Tony shows up to apologize with the little Carmine and they get turned away at the door, even though it's all brokered and settled and it's decided. Uh, do you think Phil just changed his mind? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's like, or is it, was, was this always this weird power move? Like this is the plan. But then again, he kind of looks pathetic because he's yelling out the window at the, like yeah. as they're walking away. That's right, cocksucker. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was. I, I thought because it is the last few episodes. I thought like right, this is when the bullets start flying. They just yeah. lured them over there. Um, but no, I guess it would be pretty stupid to do it on your home turf. But there you go. Yeah, because because it's it's my first instinct is to think that it's this weird alpha move, make him show up and then deny him, but then it doesn't come off that way because he's yelling out the window. So it could also be that, I mean, from what, obviously we don't know Phil as intimately as we know Tony, but we do know that Phil did at least have that real moment that Tony brought up when they were in the hospital, but he's grasping with the same thing Tony was, where it's like you think you're going to stop and smell the roses and then life beats you down or the the ordinary uh, day-to-day just distract you from that and and then maybe i'm sure butchie that ghoul isn't helping either when he's like oh i'm sure he's in his ear saying like you're gonna make a deal with this guy now uh so yeah a number of factors probably come into play right so finally the most important scene where aj watches tv and fucking (laughs) lincoln is on there so the lincoln logs (laughs) made sense and there's a through line to the whole thing oh that's great i didn't even pick that up Lincoln's there, yeah, plus it's a commercial for, like, antidepressants or something, isn't it? I guess. I was trying to figure out what it was, but they're just talking about insomnia, and, you know, there's an otter there saying that, like, more than half of adults experience insomnia at least a few nights a week. Um, so, I guess, yeah, it's an ad for oh, some sleep help or yeah, something. Yeah, I guess, it, yeah, not necessarily antidepressants, but it is medication. But, yeah, Lincoln mm. Logs, Lincoln, Drowning, the sandwiches yep. that pushed him over the edge. Uh, I love that Tony shows up with a pizza because I feel like we've seen this. Well, but also we've seen this many times. I mean, I think when he um, when he yelled about AJ being his heir or whatever. Remember that time when he was like, you know, I'm supposed to uh, when he he didn't want to get a vasectomy. And he's like, I'm supposed to get a vasectomy and this is my heir after like AJ dropped like a dish or something stupid. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he showed up in his room with a pizza of course, yes. there's that classic time he showed up in the pizza and then he got kicked out of the house and he came back and took the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and plus, obviously, Sopranos and food, that's always a thing. Like, let's I'm going to make you feel better. Let's have some food. But of course, if he had been there earlier, he would have known that you can't bring food into the place. So he doesn't yeah. even have that like safety net. Um, and we get that lingering end shot where he walks in and kind of takes takes AJ over uh, under his arm and they walk off together. So great stuff. Yeah. 
It's a really good episode, and I'm glad AJ didn't die. I don't think he'll die in the next two episodes, but, like, I wouldn't put it past him. He's pretty clumsy, um, <laughs> even if it's not intentional, you know. Uh, of course, he... I guess I should have known, because AJ, the way this show is written, he never succeeds at anything. Yeah. So if he tries to kill himself, he's going to be fine. But if he tries to do something mediocre like hang a shelf, he's probably going to die. <laughs> so I hope they don't do that in the last couple episodes, because this episode made me realize I actually kind of like AJ. Yeah. I don't want him to die. Yeah, that would be classic Sopranos fashion of like... Yeah, he's putting up a shelf and then, uh, you know, falls on his drum set that it... <laughs> was returned by the guy yeah. that he sold it to or whatever um but yeah yeah i i, I i'm with you um i think we've always i i, I feel like we, we we're a little bit different from the at least the louder uh sopranos crowd i read online who very much hate aj uh, which i still do get to a point but i think this show we've always been a champion for good old anthony jr agreed um, and we'll continue doing so for two whole episodes. Now, if you want to share your thoughts on this episode or either of the upcoming episodes, uh, I hear they're quite important. You can email us at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com or, of course, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Though the Apple Podcasts ones is, are the ones that we actually see and we'll read out if you send one in. We'd really appreciate one if you haven't already. Or, again, just email us at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. Share your thoughts on the end of the series as we get there very slowly and thank you again for coming along with us i feel like i have to say it every episode <laughs> yeah no absolutely and yeah two to go um very bittersweet very exciting but also yeah um all, like it feels like a like a piece of my soul a piece of my soul is gonna go away but then we just have to rewatch it again um, the sopranos is like a bus right yeah, <laughs> <And> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, everything Jacob said. Uh, please send in your feedback. Please review, review, rate, and review the show. Please tell a friend. Um, and I don't know. Is there anything else? Just uh, two things. First, you can go to showswhatyouknow.com for all of our other coverage, say Real History, where yes. uh, me and two Irish fellows, uh, as we've talked about lately, I am in Ireland. Um, we talk about history and historical films and how they relate to the real history that was going on at the times. We also have Blank Meets Blank, where Jim and I make up new television shows, just randomly brainstorming stuff from uh, two hat drawings. Uh, it is very good. They're both available on Spotify as well as... Uh, your podcatcher of choice, most likely. And we have coverage of general TV shows as well, like any of your favorite shows. There might be an episode on at showswhatyouknow.com. And then there's just one more thing, Jim. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's that? Cut to black. <laughs>